0: Good morning, Church. Today's reading is 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. Solomon turns from the Lord. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them. Neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David, his father, had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: I will thank you. I will not be silenced. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Dave. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor here. Good. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, and uh, we're going to get into it together. Just out of the gates, I want to give you a, a heads up. If you're new or you've never heard me preach before, again, welcome. We're very glad you're here. Um, I have a stutter, so just so you know, it'll kind of come in and out as, as I go. And we'll always give a, give a heads up on that. And uh, also, um, we're going to get into the scripture together, and if you will, turn with me there to 1 Kings chapter 11, where we just were, and uh, we'll be in verses 1 through 8 for the mo- most part this morning. And um, if you don't have a copy of God's word, will you hold your hand up and keep it up and uh, so we can get you one, not to, like, shame you or anything, but we want to give you one, uh, so please do, and... Um, si la no tiene por favor and uh, again this is a gift to you we want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's word and can uh, follow along and can grow along with with us all as we submit to and and trust and interact with God's word which is God speaking to us. And, uh, um, yeah, thank you so much, Shayla, for that. That was, that was great. I love just hearing and connecting the good news of Jesus, the story of God from beginning to end. That's what this is all about, uh, the beginning, the creation, all the way to the very end where Jesus is the author and the hero of this sh- story. And connecting our lives to that is just a, a, a good shaping thing, and uh, I also had no idea the up to. I've been hustled for my whole life. I didn't know, I've wasted a lot of money not knowing that up to was tricking me. So, uh, um, cause you know, I'm up there paying for it, I'm not gonna go put it back. Cause I, um, now I also wanna say you might've noticed my voice cracked a little as I got up here, and just to share with some of you, there's no really easy way to do this, kind of a sharp left turn. Um, my mom uh some of y'all know my mom uh my mom died earlier this week (laughs) and uh man it's weird (laughs) i'm uh i'm sad and i am rejoicing and and that's not the like churchy thing you know (laughs) that uh man she's one of the smartest people i've ever met and uh her her mind, uh, she had Alzheimer's, advanced Alzheimer's at the end, and um, and uh, even at the beginning, I saw her fighting it, and uh, and just to see, you know, now to know that her mind is fully restored and uh, her hope and her joy is is complete, um, man. So yeah, she was a part of our church from before. <laughs> obviously, uh, part of my, my, but even just, yeah, part of our church, and um, actually told someone I haven't had much space to grieve um, and to kind of process, and she deserves that more than anyone, so I, the hope is that our family actually tomorrow will just kind of enter into that, um, but that said, I've been, I kind of joke, but I've been shoving the emotion down to the deep <laughs> room, room recesses where they belong. <laughs> no, where I like to think they belong. Um, but it's like, a, it's like trying to hold a beach ball under water. It will come out, uh, and usually not how you want it to. So grief and, and sadness and uh, crying is a good thing and a gift from God, so, um, but I won't try to do all that right now. Um, but you know, let me just, just say, as, I, as I've thought about this, in, in many ways, my mom ended well. Her, her life was broken in many ways. Uh, one of my brother's jokes that we put the fun back in d- dysfunctional family, um, which is kind of a, it's not always a fun thing, um, but really, we had a very broken family. My mom had a lot of ups and downs, but even with Alzheimer's, somehow in God's wisdom, my mom like, ended b- better. Even her faith, and that's not often the case with, with Alzheimer's. People often get angry and can even be violent. Some have, have experienced that. It was not the case. My mom was a single mom, bartender, like legitimately got in bar fights and came home and, um, yeah, told us about it, or, um, and, and yet she just continually grew, and uh, there was a softness, a Christ-likeness, even again with Alzheimer's even in her last mom- moments. And, uh, and, and so I want to ask us all a question uh, out of the gates, because, again, in God's providence, as we look at this, right, look, last week, Solomon, King Solomon, had a mountaintop high, if you will. He made some bold declarations. He prayed some incredible prayers that all of us could say amen to. And, and it looked like his spiritual life was just, he could hit cruise control, but as we just heard and read, and as we'll see together this morning, he drove off a cliff. His, he walked away from the Lord. He did not end well. So, so what I want all of us to consider this morning is, first of all, where are you? Not ph- physically, like you're here, you're in, you know, Safford School. I know that. Um, where are you? Where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? Uh, Where's your life? Just a general reality of your life. Where are you? How are you? And then even with that, looking back, where do you come from? What's been your story? What's been your journey? What are some of the highs and the lows, some of the things that you would celebrate, some of the things that you would grieve? And then with that, where are you going? What, what's the end gonna look like? What do you hope people say about you at your funeral? What do you hope is true of you at the end of your life? Um, Solomon, ironically, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, most likely he's the author, and and he uh, says there, It is better to be at a funeral than at a wedding. Some of us, myself, I get to help officiate a wedding. Um, One of the first redemption couples, uh, they met here, and and we're excited, going to celebrate. But Solomon says it's actually better to be at a funeral than a wedding. It's better to be at the house of mourning than at a place of feasting. Why is that? Because it gives us an opportunity to reflect. And we all have that opportunity right now to consider, w- what do I want the end of my life to be like? So with that in mind, all right, it'll be a fun, really kind of surfacey, comforting, fluffy morning together. All right, Welcome. So let's jump in together to First Kings chapter 11. Now King Solomon loved. Many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the, from the n- Narlons, concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these, in love, He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. So a c- couple things here to notice. The, the intent is um, Solomon was meant to be the leader of God's people who are called to be set apart, but instead he chose to blend in. God calls his people to be holy. That means set apart, to be different, right? A a phrase I love, to live in such a way that demands an explanation. I want to know more about that person. How does that person, when offended, give love and kindness that blows my mind. That's counterintuitive. I want to know more, where does that come from? That kind of thing, what Shayla talked about earlier is this living in such a way, treating someone who likely pays her and her company far less than someone who pays far more. As she said, the giving a, a, kind, of, a kind of incredible, lavish kindness that Christ gives to us that's not differentiated by what we're going to get in return. That's incredible. That's beautiful. That demands an explanation. But instead, Solomon, let me say probably like many of us are tempted to do, decided to blend in. Even some of the language here used, Wyatt keeps saying Pharaoh's wife and princesses and things like that is because like all the other nations solomon wanted to he wanted to keep his line going so he wanted many many wives who could produce many many children so if his his political enemies rose up right he could he could secure the house he could he could establish his line his name forever so he thought and, uh, and, and so he just wanted to blend in with all the other nations. Also, um, he was loved by God deeply, but he didn't believe that was enough, right? He, he loved, he longed for other sources, for affirmation, for encouragement. He didn't believe God's love was enough. God gave him everything, but he wanted more. A, uh, um, a, a, a n- another thing important for us to, to notice here is in, um, in verse two, right? If you can throw back up there real quick. In verse two, it says, it says that, um, it says Solomon clung to these in love. Those words, both of them, just, this is important for us to connect the dots. In the book of Deuteronomy, God called his people to be a set-apart people. And he told them, listen, if you love me and cling to me, life will go well for you. you. You will be blessed. Your life will be as it's meant to be lived. Flourish, secure, full of hope, full of joy. This is the way life was designed to be lived. So, love me and cling to me. The exact same words in Hebrew are used here that Solomon chose instead to love and cling to something else. Church, let me, let me ask. Let me ask you individually right now to consider consider what are you tempted to love? and cling to. Where else do you seek to find life? Right? We might wonder, you know, why is God just like jealous? Is he, is he nitpicky? Is he, you know, why is he like this? Why does he say love and cling to me alone? Is he, you know, is he high maintenance? Just, oh, I need, uh, you know. No, because he knows that in him and him alone, life is found. Someone, one of our pastors within Redemption, Aaron Daly, said this. He said, obedience is not legalism. It is rather a clear indication of what you love. Okay, obeying God, doing what he calls you to do, reflects the source or the object of your love. And again, love is not just something, it's, it's because God knows that because God is love and to experience love, to experience joy, to experience freedom, to ex- experience re- rejoicing in the midst of sorrow, to experience security while wandering through a desert, a dangerous desert, physically like his people experience in Exodus and metaphorically and maybe even physically like many of us know and have experienced. God knows that he alone gives life and it's only found in him. So what are you tempted to love and to cling to? And there were warning signs throughout even earlier in the in first Kings of of Solomon's slow compromise of kind of starting to to fade to to veer and it didn't end well. In his old age, it, he was, he had, it, it reflected that he had totally turned away from God. He no longer trusted him. Look, look in verse 4 now with me. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the ab abomination of Moab, and for m- 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 Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Just to fast forward the end of this chapter, Solomon uh, completely turned away from the Lord. He died. It's incredibly anticlimactic, uh, and then right after that, the kingdom is divided. End of story. Boom. Hopeless, right? It, it's, so this is, this is weighty, and he did not end well. Now, a couple things. If you've been with us for the whole journey through, through this, this last number of months, right? First and second, Samuel, and now first, Kings. We've looked at Saul, and then at King David, and then at now Solomon. You might be rightly wondering why does he keep being compared to David was kind of a chump, right? We kind of pulled the pulled the veil back. It's not just oh David and Goliath and cool. And then oh we had this little blip, you know, and there are a couple I've heard of Bathsheba, and then oh, but you know, David, a man after God's own heart. we hopefully you you caught this and we looked at that. No, David sinned massively. He turned away from God. But in first Kings and Second Kings all throughout, what keeps happening is the, the author basically says, someone did well if they did not marry foreign wives, if they did not um, have altars to other false gods on the high places. And again, kind of mind-bogglingly, if they were or were not like their father David, why? Okay, true story, the only part of it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it, all right? I look at David, I do not, I, if he were a pastor, he should never, ever be a pastor. If he were a political leader, if, he should have been thrown in jail many times if he were alive. Today, in our context, why? What we, we looked at this again a number of weeks ago, the, all we can, all we can take from it is when he did wander and when he was called out on it, when his sin was revealed to him, he confessed and repented. He recognized that he had, he had rebelled against God, that he had harmed other people. He didn't water it down. He didn't dismiss it. He, he confessed. He owned it, and he returned. He followed God. And his life, by the way, didn't end well. His old age was not better than his earlier days when he was poor and homeless and wandering around and being 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 chased down he was living all of life in surrender and dependence on the lord but as he got more and he got a little comfortable he had cruise control his life did not end well but i think in light of all of scripture what we can see about david is he constantly clung to god's mercy to god's kindness and that's good news. That's good news for 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 all of us. That's that's our 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 only hope. I have family members who some of you know, others who have now they've have actually died in the last couple years as well. Some of them not well. It wasn't pretty their last day in a couple of their of their cases. But um, that thankfully, God's mercy defines it. And, and the good news is, is whether you're addicted to something we're all addicted to something. Whether you're addicted to something that's more acceptable or more hidden, uh, or it's either way, the, the good news is that regardless if your hope, your security is found in God's mercy and kindness, and when you're convicted when he reveals, when he pulls, when he opens your eyes, when he calls you to himself, you respond, then there's hope. Then there's good news. There's forgiveness. And and yet, I I want us to go back to kind of looking at at Solomon. As I mentioned earlier, he, he, he tried to squeeze God in. Right? Jesus said, you, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and despise the other, or he will despise the one and be devoted to the other. You can't serve God in anything else. But as I heard someone else say, we're all willing to try. Yeah. Let me say that again. You can't serve two masters, but we're all willing to try. Right? Are we not tempted every day? We're tempted, let me, let me try, let me squeeze this in. I know God said this, and if he's my master, he's Lord, he's in control, then I'll obey him, I'll, I'll listen, but ah, maybe, maybe I can squeeze this in. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can, I can kind of juggle it. Okay, hear me, like Solomon here, I think we are all tempted to try to squeeze God into our lives. I think the big, I, one of the big ideas, one of the main points here that we should see here is, again, you can't serve to Masters, you cannot squeeze God into your life. Okay, that's what I, I want you to hear. Like our thinking, our way of thinking in our world today is, is as long as I've got my priorities right, right? God, family, country, work, business, right? I've got these things. I've got this list and it's all going to go well for me. As long as I've got God on the top, it's all going to go well. He's going to bless it. It's going to be good. No, in, in the Bible, when God says you shall have no other gods before me, he's not saying make sure I'm at the top of the list and then put whatever you want under it. He's saying have no other gods in my midst, nothing. Everything else submits to God and his character and what he says. All right, I think some of us need to be convicted. How am I trying to squeeze God into my life? So church, let me just let's keep the pedal to the metal a bit here and consider where are you? What is it for Solomon? It was sex and p- power. All right, it, it was it was political allegiance That's why he compromised and married all these different people and stuff. It was was power, and it was consumption, consumption of people, consumption of experiences, of pleasure. So uh, uh, another word for this is idol. What are your and my idols? A, A helpful definition of an idol is when you take something that is often good, but you make it an ultimate thing. Something that's meant to be a part of your life and you make it a life-orienting thing. Something that you say, I'm not gonna operate out of this the way God defined it to be. Again, sex, sexuality, power, relationships, health, athletics, whatever it might be. Something that's meant to be good, but now that becomes what orients and defines my life. A good breakdown of these is uh, all idols, all God-replacing things, can can be summed up in one of three categories: power, approval, and comfort. All right. And if you have a hard time remembering that, and you're like me, someone hearing that, someone pointed out it's like you know P.A.C. Pac-Man. So any other people who grew up in the '80s or have watched Stranger Things, <laughs> and so you're well now you understand us a little bit better, um, then you are aware of Pac-Man, right? You picture Pac-Man, he's eating all the little dots. That's idols. That's just wanting to just consume our lives and control our lives. So power, approval, and comfort. What, what is it for you? I don't know. I don't need to walk through a list. I believe and trust that God the Holy Spirit, like he's done for me throughout this week, is just revealing where it is that you are might try to replace God. And and church, the, the reality, the truth is that when left to ourselves, all of us are gonna be like Solomon. We're all gonna wander. We are prone to wander, right? There's a hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. It's true in scripture, two places. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. We all do that. We all wander. We all rebel. None of us is immune to that. And then another place in Romans chapter seven, the, the author there, Paul, is, is in this struggle like probably many of us can relate to. And he says, he says oh, wretched man that I am. The things I do, I don't want to do. The, the things I don't do, Are the things that I don't want to be doing, the things that I am doing, or the things I don't want to be doing, what hope do I have? Just, have you experienced that? Man, I'm (laughs) sitting there watching sports, just pounding (laughs) Cheez-Its. I want to be doing that, but I'm doing this. You know? (laughs) And, and, And there's a million other examples, more serious ones, more... You know, I I know this isn't what I want to be doing, but I feel stuck. I feel enslaved. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 8. The only hope, the only good news is Jesus. There's no condemnation in him. God's mercy will never run out. Right? Like David, when you sin, God's mercy is still sufficient. So cling to him run to him, return to him, trust him. There's no condemnation for those who have been found in Christ Jesus. We're told in scripture for anyone who believes in their heart, and that's not just like an intellectual belief, but believes on a life or a trust level, again, a life-shaping level, anyone who believes that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead will be saved. So now as we end this time, but don't, it's not like going to be over right now. (laughs) But uh, what do we do, right? What's the action point? Uh, All I can think of, church, I think what has blessed me, what will bless me and bless us is to just be showered with God's word, with the good news of Jesus to spur us on, to shape us, perhaps convict us but to ultimately encourage us and to help us continue to live in light of the good news of Jesus in order that we might end well. So let's just walk through a couple of points of, in a sense, being guided by God's word. We have a list of seven things, and there are many more. Please don't email me with, oh, you left this one out, you did that, all right? This, <laughs> this is what I got for us, but I'm encouraged by it. First, Remember this, he loved you first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. That's the beginning of our faith. That's why we, we do the things we do is because we know that God is an initiating God. We didn't love him first, he loved us first. In fact, we're told that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not in our best moment. Not in the mountaintop high like Solomon. We're making all our prayers. Not when we're here in church. We got our hands raised, right? We're doing this thing. We're not in that moment. The worst moment. That moment, you know, midnight, one in the morning. After a couple months maybe of wandering and you're just, you've done it again. You're in that moment where you hope no one finds out god looks at you says i love you and he pursues you he loved first that is a foundation for our faith number two remember where you come from revelation chapter 2 verse 4 says but i have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Okay, and I, I don't know everyone's story in here, but if you're tempted to hit cruise c- control, if you at some point in, in your Christian life think, I've acquired all this knowledge, I've built all this stuff up, I, I've, I've, I've how did I get here? It's, it's, it's a house of cards, right? If you don't know what a house of cards is, it's when you build a little A house. (laughs) You build a little structure of like playing cards and eventually it's going to topple over. All right. If, if your life and your hope is built on anything other than God's initiating undeserved, lavish pursuit and love of you, it's going to fall but build your life on him. Remember your first love. Remember the moment. If you've put your faith in Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a Christian, think back to, maybe maybe now, maybe in your, in your journal at some point, just throughout the week this afternoon. Think back to the early days of your faith. If you're not a Christian and you're here, the message never changes, all right? I'm not some pro here. I've got it all. I've, you know, know how to pronounce some of these words that, you know, it's like fake it till you make it with many of them, right? Like, no, it's all based on God's initiating love. Remember his love. Number three, cling to the spirit. These are connected, by the way. Genesis chapter three, verses one through three. Jesus plus something else is what the Christian life is all about. Okay, there, there's, there's a message of hope and encouragement there, but also, right, the author here, Paul, is like, like picture like a coach or a parent, hands on the shoulder, eye contact, don't be dumb. <laughs> all right? Don't be dumb. Don't wander. Don't do this. like, because I care about you, because I love you, right? Boom, boom. Like, Remember, stick to the basics. Trust the process. I was never a coach, but I know some coach speak. I can throw it in there, right? Just stick to the basics. Remember the good news of Jesus. That which you began with is that which will sustain you. God's initiating, undeserved, lavish, sustaining, empowering love. Don't forget, Cling to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the initiating work. Again, God's an initiating God through the Spirit, right? We talked about this some last week. He opens our eyes. We're told in Scripture that we go from dead to alive. That's the work of the Spirit. He did it, right? That's what dead people don't do (laughs) make themselves alive again, all right? It takes an outside work. We are all dead. In our trespasses, having turned away from God. But God, in His love, God bless you, gives life. Don't forget where and how you started. God's love through God's Spirit. Cling to. And then number four, it's gonna be difficult. Man, in our <laughs> in our kind of tempt our day today, we're tempted to just believe that life is meant to just be comfortable. right? That I saw this meme, I might have shared it with some of you. I'm like a Gen Xer by, like, a month and a half, and uh, so I, I, can, I can participate in this, and it's, it's, a, it's a picture of, like, a little one-and-a-half-year-old baby boy in a diaper with a tattoo on his arm chugging a boom here. and it says, like, all these other generations have gotten soft. It's like, you know, Gen Xers, were um, so some of you, you're not laughing because we don't have as many Gen Xers in here. Don't be offended, millennials. I'm sorry, No. All right. The modern translation, right? Don't get cocky. Know that um, you're you're gonna be. It's gonna be difficult. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. This is Jesus speaking, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Now this applies to all of us from the oldest to the youngest. Whatever generation we're from, we all want to take the easy path. We all want to take the easy route. It might look different, might look differently, but, but we all want to take the easy route. The path of least resistance. It's hard. It's hard to thread the needle of honoring Jesus with how we vote. I'm just going to tell you straight, no party gets it right. There are things that one party celebrates and affirms that Christians should stand up and say yes, yes, and amen, and other things that same party does that we should say no. That is not a part of Jesus. And then the exact same is true for the other party. Yes, yes, and amen, that's good. No, what? No. Again, if you're a follower of Jesus, we don't fit. Again, if we're trying to squeeze the kingdom into our lives, we'll we'll try to find a way, but now we're in really dangerous ground. But if we're a part of the kingdom, that's the language of Jesus and the way he says life should be lived, if we're citizens of that kind of life, we're going to be what's referred to as aliens, sojourners, wanderers. All right, so again, the good news is it's going to be hard. <laughs> don't, don't be soft. Don't expect it to be easy. But the end is good and already secured. So what do we do with that? i got to pick up the pace here, huh, guys? Number five, don't go at it alone. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Again, there are other places I mentioned earlier, Ecclesiastes, You don't wanna be the person who's walking along the road and if you stumble and fall into a trench, which we, we could get back to why that would happen, but you stumble and fall into a trench and you have no one there to help you out. Don't go at it alone. I mentioned King David earlier. One of God's biggest graces in his life, evidences of kindness, is someone was there to put his finger in his chest and say, you're blowing it, bro. You have sinned against God and against others. Are there people in your life that will do that? Are there people in your life who will put their arm around you, who will weep with you, who love you, who will celebrate with you, and again, who will grab you by the scruff and say, You're wandering. This isn't where life is found. I love you too much to sit idly by and to remain silent, to be passive. I love you too much. Return to Jesus. Don't go at it alone. Number six, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily. Power, approval, comfort. It's so easy. It clings to us. Lay that aside and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder. Again, remember where you started. He initiated the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He didn't take the easy route. He didn't take the path of least resistance. He took on the cross, the pain and the shame, despising the shame, and is seated. He has finished the race. This is is what we are looking ahead to. And he is right now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where when we die, and we all will die, If your faith is in Jesus, your hope is in Jesus, your life is found in Jesus, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Man, my mom is in rest. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And then the last one that I want to say is this. If this feels like a weight a burden. Oh, what do I do? Oh, I lost track. I wasn't keeping track of all this. What do I do? It started with him, and it finishes with him. He's got you. If you are afraid of wandering, first of all, good. Church, we should be way more afraid of wandering away than we are of death, of physical death. So if there's a sense of fear there, I think that's healthy and good. But if that is debilitating, if, that, if you feel like paralyzed by that fear, be encouraged. Your faith didn't start with you, it doesn't end with you, and it's not being sustained by you. He's got you. We can clap, let's clap. Jesus says this in John chapter 10. My sheep, that's you and me, though we wander, right? We went back to in Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're dumb. We'll walk off of a cliff. All of us have gone astray. But Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one, who? No No one will snatch them out of my hand. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Churches, we pray right now and respond. We respond because he initiates. That's why we use that word response. We've heard the good news of Jesus, that God, the good news that God has given to us. Now we respond to that. Again, consider, where are you? Where do you come from? Where are you headed? Will we respond in hope, in singing, in praise, in rejoicing because of the good news that he has initiated with us? that He has finished the race and we now get to fix our eyes on Him, that He who began the work through His Spirit will see it through by His Spirit, that He hasn't called us to do it on our own, but He's given us a community, brothers and sisters in Jesus, to to spur each other on, to push each other on, to run that race that we are confident we will finish well because He has got us. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we are yours. Whether we know it or not, whether we want to be or not, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, will you do a work in us? Shape us. Lord, I pray that somehow miraculously against every statistic, everyone in this room, everyone online, will finish the race well again statistically that's foolish that's there's no way that's not how it works but jesus you are greater you can do whatever you set out to do lord will you help all of us finish well lord jesus do it lord We need you. (laughs) Amen.